Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Welcome, welcome back, welcome for the first time. It is, uh, welcome to a brand new year. And I thought we could begin the new year by thanking God for what he did through People's Church in 2022. And I believe that many of us would join in with a prayer of thanking God for what he did in our homes and our families and our lives in the year that is behind us as well. Let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, we come to you with hearts full of gratitude this morning, thankful for who you are, thankful that, Lord, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die so that we could have life, so that we could have hope. Father, as we look at this highlight video, looking back on the year 2022, every picture is a story, every picture is a testimony of a life of a life that you have moved in. We thank you, Father, for every baptism of 2022, every person declaring new faith and new life in Jesus Christ. We thank you for every boy and every girl, every teenager who was able to go to camp in the last year and uh, grow closer to you and grow closer to your purpose for their life. Father, we thank you for every worship gathering, celebrations like the 70th anniversary. Father, we thank you for what you're doing through our kids and through our teenagers as you're cultivating them and using them for your purposes and you're calling them, Father, toward your trajectory for their life. Father, as we thank you for what's happened, we look forward with great anticipation to what will be in the year ahead. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, it is great to be with you today. Uh, we, Jennifer and I and our, our kids just got back from some time in the Midwest with family and it is good to be with family and, it's at, and, and also it is great to be back with church family today. We absolutely love being part of the People's Church family and we start the year with hearts full of gratitude for each and every one of you. So here we are, January 1. This is the day of the year that we all think about eating healthier, exercising more, losing weight, budgeting better, learning new skills, quitting a bad habit, starting a good habit, sleeping more, stressing less, spending more time with family. I read that there are many people whose New Year's resolution is that for the year ahead that they would floss their teeth every day. If that's you, let this be the year. There are moments in life when we get a fresh start, a new job, a new location, a new relationship, a revived relationship, healing from an illness, if you've been incarcerated, you get a fresh start when you get released from prison. The new year, there's something about the calendar turning over that starts something new, a fresh set of possibilities, fresh anticipation about what could be in the year ahead. 
If we were to go back one year, January 1, 365 days ago, in some ways, it seems like it was just yesterday. In other ways, it seems like it's been quite some time. And, and some of us, if we were to look back to January 1, one year ago, there are some of us who would say we were in a difficult place one year ago. Maybe you were even in a situation where you were not sure how you were going to make it. It seemed impossible. Well, praise God. Here you are, January 1 of a new year. You made it. You made it. Maybe you're feeling today as 2023 begins with a, a set of life circumstances, you're feeling the pressure today and you're not sure how you're going to make it. Well, we are joining with churches across our state and around the country, across the country for this week of prayer. And we will have prayer points that we want to share with you at the end of our time together today. But we want to set the table with this. We are praying for awakening. What that means is that we are praying that culture will wake up from spiritual apathy. We are praying for culture to wake up for their need for God. We are praying for culture to wake up. We're praying for the spiritually lost to see that there is hope in Jesus Christ. We're praying for awakening in our churches. We're praying for change in culture. And for those of us today who would gather in this place as followers of Christ, our Heavenly Father, we know that he accomplishes so many of his purposes through his people, through you and me. So as we are praying for awakening, we're saying, Lord, how do you want to use me to bring awakening? How do you want to use people's church in the year ahead to bring awakening? We are part of a nationwide fellowship network of churches called the Assemblies of God. And our general superintendent, Pastor Doug Clay, about week of prayer, he said, my hope for spiritual reformation is not in the political system. It's within the church, the body of believers. That's us. We appreciate Pastor Doug Clay. And actually this April, Pastor Doug is gonna be here with us at People's Church for a Sunday morning. What we're gonna see today is how God uses times of difficulty. God uses challenges. And also, God uses fresh starts in his people to bring awakening. Where we open the biblical pages of history today, I invite you to open with me or power up with me to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. Acts is the story of the growth of the early church through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is in the weeks and months following the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And from what we read, as reported by Luke, everything at this point is going quite well. Peter has given the message on the day of Pentecost. Thousands are joining the movement. Locals are helping out-of-towners in the city of Jerusalem. People are selling their possessions and opening their homes. Peter and John go to the temple while this is all happening for afternoon prayer, afternoon sacrifice and prayer. It would be a very, very busy time of the day at the temple, a busy time of gathering. And through Peter and John, a man is healed. And everyone knows who this man is because every day this man who cannot walk sits outside the temple asking for charity. 
He is like a fixture. Everyone anticipates that they're going to see this man. And he is known by his disability that he cannot walk. He encounters Peter and John. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter and John bring healing to this man's life. And everyone is amazed. The, this captures the attention of the crowds. And the excitement and the crowd are so astounded by what happened that they leave the temple area they gather in Solomon's portico there in Jerusalem and there is this man who has been healed and Peter stands up and he gives a sermon pointing this healing back to Jesus he says it is by faith in Jesus name that has made this man strong and then he says to the crowd if you are moved by what you have seen here today in this man's healing, repent and turn back so that your sins may be forgiven. <laughs> A healing gets the attention of the crowd and also gets the attention of the temple priests and the religious elites. And their reaction is not the same as the crowd. Luke says that they are annoyed. They're annoyed because of this public declaration of Jesus' resurrection. Acts chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And they, the priests and the temple captain and the Sadducees, they arrested Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So the movement of Christ followers is taking off in Jerusalem and if they were to take attendance they would say if we count just the men it's 5,000 if you add the women it would be many many more Peter here's what I want us to see church Peter and John they have clearly been doing God's work they pray in faith for a man with a chronic disability to be strengthened and healed and when that man is healed they use the opportunity to publicly share about Jesus and yet they get put in jail they're doing God's work and they end up behind bars. Maybe you've been in a situation where you are living out your faith, you're honoring God with the way that you live and yet there's personal setbacks. And you say, God, what is going on here? It could be that you have been in a season or maybe you are in a season right now where you feel closer to God than you ever felt before your prayer time is deeper the bible comes to life when you open the pages you've walked away from sin you've walked away from what is against god and your heart and your life is aligned with god's purposes and priorities and yet while all that's happening you lose your job or the money that needs to come through hasn't come through or there's a devastating diagnosis or the relationship just becomes more divided or the divorce is finalized and so you're saying Lord I'm, I am going after what I believe you want me to be going after and yet as a result it feels like I'm being punished Peter and John healing in Jesus name preaching Jesus name yet here we are locked up in those moments it may seem like the best thing to do is to shrink back to stay silent to give in and give up Look at Peter and John. They are called in front of the influencers of the city, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, and the high priest. And what's incredible is that these religious elites, 
who are annoyed by Peter and John and by the work that is being done in Jesus' name, uh, none of them can deny that the man has been healed. None of them can deny this. In fact, the, the word tells us that as this is happening, the man is like standing right there. And we don't know if he's like been called as a formal witness or if he just shows up, but there he is. The man that everyone knows is the man who sits at the gate with a disability is now standing, healed, strong, and no one can deny this. And, but what, what, what the religious elites, how they challenge these Christ followers, Peter and John, they say, by what power or by what name did this happen? And Peter is the one who speaks. Now, if you're ever asked the question, which one of the apostles spoke up? You're pretty safe by giving the answer, Peter. Because he's like the friend that when no one else will say anything, he'll say it. He'll speak up. Thank God for friends like that. Like, Peter, go ahead. Go ahead, Peter. So Peter speaks up. And Luke said, Luke who authored the book of Acts, Luke reports to us that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. As a follower of Christ, do you know this? No one can take away from you the power of the Holy Spirit. They can put you in jail, but they cannot take away the power of the Holy Spirit. Shrink back, stay silent, give up, give in, not Peter. Look at what Peter says as he answers the question, by what power or by what name has this man been healed? Acts 4.10. Peter says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. <laughs> Peter goes on like almost as a, a moment of clarity, like just in case there is any doubt of what Jesus I am speaking about. He says, I'm, I'm speaking about the Jesus who you rejected. That's the Jesus. And it's as if Peter is saying, all that's happening in Jerusalem over the last weeks, when we're seeing thousands of people from all these regions who have come to this city, as we're seeing this movement that has been growing, the cornerstone, Peter uses the word cornerstone, the cornerstone of everything that is happening is Jesus. Verse 12. In boldness, Peter continues, there is salvation in no one else, Peter preaches, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, if you know your word, you know the rest of the story. We can look at it like in hindsight today, but it's important to know that there is no guaranteed outcome right now for Peter and John. As Peter is confronting these very influential, powerful people, there is no guaranteed outcome. In fact, if you're to turn just a few pages over in the book of Acts, you will read the historical account of Stephen, who would be stoned to death for preaching Jesus publicly. And if you look just a few pages past that, John's own brother James would be killed by a sword for being a person who is associated with Jesus. So Peter and John, they have no 
guaranteed positive outcome here. Yet Peter still chooses to speak boldly. Peter and John choose to honor God in the moment and then trust God for the outcome. Under pressure, Peter is confident in Christ. He is unashamed of his faith. Confident in Christ, unashamed to be a Jesus follower. Acts 4.13. Now, when they, this is the religious elites and the leaders, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they, this is the religious leaders and elites, they recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. When the outsiders look at Peter and John, they see boldness. The outsiders see uneducated common men who were part of something amazing and astonishing. The outsiders knew that these two men had been with Jesus. So fast forward to the first day of the new year, 2023, Salem, Oregon. The question for us to wrestle with today, it's a question just as much for me as it is for anyone in this room. When outsiders look at us, those of us today who would say that we are a follower of Jesus, what do they see? Maybe you're here today and you'd say that you actually would be in that category of someone who's on the outside of faith looking in and you've been invited here or there's some challenge in your life and so you've thought, well, I'm going to start the new year by exploring what it means to pursue Jesus. Thank you for being here. We actually pray that you would come today and we're grateful that you're here. But if I could speak just to the, the Christians for a second, just to the church people. When outsiders look at us, what do they see? Do they see a confident, bold, and fearless faith? Is it apparent that the good that is happening through us, it's not because of our training or our background, but because it is Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working through us? (laughs) And maybe this is the most challenging of all the questions by the way that we live, talk, act, and react, is it obvious to the outsiders, to others, that we have been with Jesus? Is it obvious to those who examine our life, who look at our life, I can tell that is a person who has a relationship with Jesus. What is so encouraging from the life example of John and Peter, when ordinary people invest time with Jesus, The extraordinary follows. Peter and John, they were career fishermen, called out of the family business to follow Jesus and to be leaders of the church after the death and resurrection. This is not because of who their family is. It's not because of where they're from. It's not because of their training as fishermen. They are in this position where they are face to face with the most influential people of Jewish society. They are in this position because they have been with Jesus. So the religious elites, they confer, okay, what are we going to do with Peter and John? Here is this man who has undeniably been healed Here's how the religious leader's response is summarized, Acts 4, 16 and 17. 
A notable sign has been performed through them. This is the religious elite speaking about Peter and John. A notable sign has been performed through Peter and John. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. (laughs) So the religious elites, uh, their line of thinking is uh, no one can deny what has happened. And also we like our positions and authority and we don't want anything to come against that. So we're just going to stop this right now and tell them to not talk about Jesus anymore. Look at what Peter said, man, Peter, I love Peter. Acts 4, 19 and 20, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. How encouraging is this and yet challenging at the same time in the face of those who set culture in opposition to those who have the respect of society, Peter and John say, what's happened in our own life, what's happened in the life of the other apostles, what's happened in the life, lives of the thousands in this city who've come to be part of this movement, what happened in the life of this man who for decades was defined by his disability at the front gates, who can now walk, what's happened, I'm sorry, but not sorry, we just cannot keep quiet about this. Peter and John are released and they head out to their friends, other followers of Christ. In this event, Peter and John, they go from in custody to being released in a very short time, a matter of hours really. Many of us would say that we've been through seasons that we would describe as a setback and they stretch on for a lot longer, for days, for weeks, for months, or even years. Later in the, in the book of Acts, we would find out that Paul would be kept in prison for years waiting to be sent to Rome after his appeal to Caesar. So whether it's days, weeks, months, or years, Peter and John, in this moment, they've been given a fresh start. They've been given a fresh start. What happens when you get a fresh start? Many many of you would say, some of you might say, I've been given a fresh start. Maybe an undeserved fresh start, an undeserved second chance, third chance, 10th chance, 70th chance. What happens when you lose a job, but then you get a new job, a fresh start? What happens when the money wasn't coming through and then it does come through, a fresh start? What happens when there's been a devastating diagnosis and then you've been healed, a fresh start? What happens when a divided relationship is restored, a fresh start? What happens when the marriage that was supposed to be over isn't over, a fresh start? Peter and John, they have a fresh start. It could, it could have been over. It could have been over. The same people that Peter is preaching so boldly to, these were the same authorities who rallied the people for Jesus to be crucified. These are influential people. Yet Peter and John are given a fresh start. And so they gather with other followers of Christ 
And this is part of their prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Part of their prayer is to say, look look upon their threats. These are the threats of the religious elites who have said, don't stop, do not proceed, do not pass go, stop preaching Jesus. They acknowledge these threats. So to move in boldness, fearless faith, confidence in Christ, it doesn't mean that we're ignorant of the challenges that we face. It doesn't mean that we just pretend like the opposition just isn't there. Threats, listen to this, threats are reasons that we can come up with to not proceed. When we think about God and his purposes in our lives, what are described as threats here, this could really be anything in our creativity that we could come up with, real or perceived, to not press forward with God's purposes for our life. Threats are reasons not to proceed. There's there's God's way and there's the easy way and rarely are those the same way. Look upon the threats. Lord, you know the reasons why it would just be easier to not proceed. The first followers of Christ, they acknowledge the threats and they pray that even though there are threats, even though there are reasons to not proceed, even though there are reasons that it would just be easier to not move forward, Lord, even though that's all out there, make a way for us to continue in your purposes. Make a way for us to continue in your purposes. The theological term for a prayer like this is a supplication prayer. This is a request for the person who is praying or the people who are praying and their prayer request, God, make a way, even though there are threats, even though there are reasons not to proceed, make a way for healings to continue, make a way for signs to continue, for wonders to continue so that it could all be pointed to your son, Jesus Christ. Supplication prayer is the pursuit of God's response to pressure, problems, insufficiency, and opposition. Lord, you see the pressure. Lord, you see the problems. Lord, you see the insufficiency that we have. Lord, you see what is against us. You see the reasons that are out there that would be just more convenient for us not to move forward. Lord, we, are, we need your response. S- supplication prayer is uh, an expression in a, of our awareness of our inferiority. Lord, I cannot do this without you. I, I don't want to do this without you. And, and their prayer is answered. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. A fresh filling of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit giving power to accomplish God's purposes. What we see here is a pattern that repeats today. Prayer precedes a move of the Holy Spirit and God-given boldness to accomplish his purposes. It starts with prayer. 
So we are joining with churches across our country for this week of prayer. And I want to share with you some daily prayer points. If you receive from the church our monthly mailing, these prayer points are in that mailing that is at your home. Uh, if not, uh, you can write these, down, write these down with us as I go through them, or you can take a picture with your phone. I remember being at a, uh, a conference once and there was things on the screen. And here I am like old, old school. I, my, I turned 41, by the way, in case you're wondering, 41 years old. So there I am feeling old school. Notes are on the screen. I am like writing like crazy trying to keep up with the slides. And I look around me and while I am like my, getting carpal tunnel trying to take the notes, everyone around me has their phone up. Next slide. Wow. Epiphany moment, because when I'm not that old, like we had phones when I was in school, but they didn't really take pictures. So anyway, if you want to take a picture, you can take a picture. And my encouragement to you and to us is that we would pray Acts 4, 29, 30 over each of these prayer points. Remember Acts 4, 29 and 30, Lord, look upon their threats. Lord, you see the reasons that are out there, real or perceived, to proceed, not, not proceed. Look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you, you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. In every one of these areas, we can come up with reasons not to proceed. We can come up with easier ways than maybe God's way. So today, Sunday, the prayer point for today is consistency. Ask God to help us to be faithful and steadfast in prayer. So, so what, what comes against consistent prayer? Many of us would say the busyness of life comes against consistent prayer. When we're awake, the way that our, our American mind seems to work is that we either want to be accomplishing something or we want to be entertained when we're awake. And prayer doesn't really seem to fit into either of those boxes. So the desire to be entertained, the desire to be accomplishing something can come against our consistent prayer. Monday, tomorrow, a prayer for compassion. Pray for a heart of understanding that reaches out to those who are in need. What can come against being compassion, compassionate? Selfishness? See, see, compassion is more than a handout. Compassion is walking with someone through a broken time, walking with somebody who's hurting. And being compassionate, if we're real, it can be messy. And, and those of us who like, like quick fixes, we know that compassion is usually not a quick fix. To walk with someone with a heart of compassion, there's often ups and downs and twists and turns. And, and if we're, again, being real, some of us would say that because of a past experience, we are reluctant to be compassionate again. Because we, we reached out to somebody who is hurting. And we got hurt, or they weren't grateful, or 
we ended up in a difficult place because we walk with them through a difficult time and we would say, I don't want to do that again. That, there was just too much pain around that. When I tried to help, it just ended up putting me in a world of hurt. And so some of us would say our hearts have grown hard to compassion. And, and maybe as we begin a new year, the Lord is actually drawing you to soften your heart, to be compassionate once again, to walk with somebody through a broken time or a broken situation. Tuesday, signs and wonders. We are praying for miracles and healings that demonstrate God's power to an unbelieving world. We are praying that we would see God heal today just like he healed that man at the gate who was defined by his disability. We're praying to, on Wednesday for united prayer. Along with consistent prayer, we're praying that believers will be unified in love as we seek God together, together. Church, unity is a precious, precious thing. When we are united as a church family, we are an unstoppable force for hope in our city and even our world. The enemy delights when church people turn in toward each other. The enemy delights when we bicker with each other over church things. Now, there's going to be in any church, large or small, there's going to be times when there is tension. Because why? Because churches are filled with imperfect people. So we do not take unity for granted. I'm thankful that we have, are moving in a time of unity right now. I'm thankful for a board of deacons that is moving in unity. I'm, praying, I'm thankful for a pastoral staff that is moving in a spirit of unity. And I pray as we move into this new year that the spirit of unity would only increase. If you have been praying for unity over the church, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the other encouraging thing that has been happening in our city is fellow pastors of Bible teaching Christ-centered churches are, we're beginning to pray together. We are, we are not in competition with the other churches of this city. We're part of the Big C Church. There's a, plenty of lost people for us all to reach. And God has placed our, the churches of the city strategically throughout the city. God has placed us here on Lancaster Drive strategically. His strategy to be difference makers where we are, just as he has placed other churches and church families across the city. Unity is a good thing. Thursday, for global connection, we are praying for fellow Christians around the world to stand firm even as they face persecution for their faith. Talk about the difference between God's way and the easy way. We know that there are believers in other nations of the world, and we have people in our church family, maybe this is you, you have immigrated to this country from a place where it was 
against the grain of the nation where you came from to be a follower of Christ. And we know that there are people today where they risk being uh, pushed away from their family, they risk losing their job, they even risk being incarcerated because they are a follower of Jesus. And yet, like Peter and John, they would say, what's happened in my life is so good, I cannot keep quiet about it. I must declare this man Jesus. Friday, intercession and evangelism. We are praying for the Holy Spirit's strength to persist in prayer and for boldness to share the gospel with those who need Christ. I am confident that if you were to ask any church in America that they would say that they are in favor of reaching the lost. But if we really say that we are in favor of reaching the lost, once again, that gets, it gets messy. It means, again, if I could talk just to the church people for a second, when we really go after the lost, it means that we may encounter people that have some bad habits that make us uncomfortable. It means that we may encounter people who dress in a way that it makes us uncomfortable. We may encounter people whose political positions make us uncomfortable. We may encounter people whose lives are messy and broken. As the pastor of this church, I want to share with you that the doors of this church are open to sinners. The doors of this church are open to sinners and God protect our hearts that if someone walks in that looks like they don't have it all together, that this would be a place where they experience Jesus Christ in a real way. Because many of us today would say that was us at one point in our life where we were broken where we were addicted, where we had some sort of scarlet letter on our life, and yet we walked into a church or we encountered a follower of Christ, and instead of looking at us with condemnation, they looked at us with love, grace, and truth. And we would say we are deeply grateful for those people. This is a church, <laughs> this is a church that will be open to sinners. This is a church that will be open to the lost. Not so that we can approve sin, but so that we can share the truth in love. And Saturday, passing revival to the next generation. We pray for the Holy Spirit to capture the hearts of our children and teens so that they will passionately pursue Jesus. Teenagers, we love you guys, and we want you to hear we are so encouraged by what is happening through our kids, through our teenagers, and through our college students. We believe in you, and it is encouraging to us when we see God's call come upon your life. It should break our hearts when we hear people speak negatively about the next generation. May this be a church family that is known for being the wind in the sails of the next generation.
that we pray calling and purpose over these young people, that they would do things greater in the name of Jesus than we have ever done. I wanna encourage you to be part of prayer night, Wednesdays, seven o'clock here in the sanctuary. I am increasingly convinced that this is the most important gathering that happens here every week. It is foundational to everything that happens. And I'm grateful for how God has already been moving in our Wednesday prayer nights. And as I think about what is in store for the year ahead, I am excited for prayer nights on Wednesday evenings where we gather to seek God, to talk candidly about how to pray, how to pursue God, how to pursue purpose. F.B. Meyer, he said, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Prayer is not the, the end goal. Prayer is the gift from God that gives us community and relationship with him. So think of it this way, like if you were to get to go out to lunch with somebody who's been incredibly influential in your life, or you were get to get to have, have coffee with someone that you just want to soak in all the wisdom from their life, or you were to have a chance to reconnect with a friend who you haven't seen in a long time, how are you going to connect with the person who is across the table from you? You're going to connect with them using conversation. Conversation is not the goal. Conversation is the channel. Conversation is the method. The, the objective is to receive wisdom, to build relationship, to get to know them. Conversation is, is the method. With our relationship with our Heavenly Father, that's prayer. That's prayer. Our, our goal is not simply to be more committed to praying. Our, our heart, our desire is to be closer to the presence of God. Our desire is to be closer to God's purposes. Our desire is for God's purpose and our purpose to be the same thing. And a primary way that that occurs is through this gift that God has given us called prayer. And thank God we don't have to put on a fake face because he already knows. It is, prayer is a place where we can be fully transparent with what is going on in our hearts because you know what? He already knows. He already knows. And I am also convinced that the more that we move in transparency with God, really just being who we are and not trying to fake our prayers with God through like trying to replicate what someone else is praying or to use fancy words, but just be ourselves before God. that he will re reveal himself to us in greater ways, in greater measures. So yes, prayer is the channel, but our heart is to be closer to the presence of God and closer to our Heavenly Father's purposes. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. 
Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. Oh,